a revival of a wretched creature sharing the name of a scientist and his son. It's the son of Frankenstein. Mafia, wake up, wake up. Wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. For some reason, I was thinking that this would play out kind of like the other one, where we would get a son of the monster of Frankenstein, and it wouldn't actually be about Frankenstein's son. I don't know why. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. I I was fully expecting the monster to have a son in this movie. Um, Instead, we get the son and the son of a son uh, of Frankenstein that we know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. dr frankenstein uh welcome back to the monsters versus men podcast this is the bargain basement of the monster podcasting airwaves this week as we try to stay alive we are discussing the son of frankenstein this week with me i've got the heavy-handed prosthetic himself alex (laughs) and i've got the weirdly bent neck that's also semi-hollow eric oh man Comparing me to Igor now, that's which mm, is that might be Y G O R in this, and I thought it was right. always I G O R. So, well, plot twist. Uh, this there is a different me. Igor, maybe I guess. I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, I feel like I've uh, like this been lied Igor to my with whole a life. Y. Yeah, I'll tell you what though, that neck break effect. It's pretty gruesome, actually. It's pretty cool. I gotta say, I like the the makeup work on the neck. It's all oh yeah, ugh. it's all, really <laughs> it's figured, and you can tell. Kind of tells its own story right there. And I really yeah, oh, really I really like that. One of the better parts of the movie. <laughs> uh, real quick, Alex, before we get into a review, I did want to say one thing. I, I wanted to. I've been meaning to shout out to him for the last several weeks, honestly, since we started this new series. So I want to take a moment here at the beginning of the show to, to shout out to one of my students, Luis. He is the, the student that made our intro music that is pretty awesome that several of you have commented about. Um, he's, he's great, right? He's just started making these beats by himself. And I was like, hey, you should make a beat for our podcast. And he's like, all right, I, I can do that. And I gave him a couple of ideas and he put that together. So um, I think it's pretty awesome that he was just willing to do that. And he also told me he is willing to do any other beats. If anybody uh, has an idea for him, he is for hire. If, you, if you're interested in that, I can give you his contact info. You just need to contact us at nvmpod at gmail.com. There you go. Thank you, Luis. It's awesome. Um, So let's get into this film, Alex. Let's do it. After Dracula's daughter, three years passed before Son of Frankenstein, bringing back big sets, big performance, and our biggest universal monster, Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Son of Frankenstein also features the longest runtime of our series so far. But does bigger in this case mean better, Alex? Or does this film earn a low letter? Well, I'm of two minds of this one, really, because frankly, the movie's quality in my eyes is probably just split in half. Mm. Uh, 
Bigger, in this case, though, definitely does not mean better. While, yeah, I, I do like Frankenstein's son, um, Baron Wolf, the surrounding characters, other than the inspector, for me, are kind of uninteresting uh, for the most part. Um, you know, we get the loyal servant, who I kind of like, I guess, but there's no real depth to him, Uh Really, there's just the mystery of where he went. Now, I just assumed we'd never see him again. He died. We did come across him eventually. Uh, and then we did get, uh, you know, Lugosi's Igor, who I think is a lot of fun. You know, he's creepy at times and campy in most, at most times. Mm-hmm. But I, and I like that he uses the monster as his own personal weapon, but I don't. His character is pretty inconsistent, I feel like, in a lot of ways. So I, I don't really know how I feel about him. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the damage sustained to Frankenstein's monster in the previous film has clearly left him in a more vegetative state. You know, even once he's revived, he's still a, a shell of what he used to be. And I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how I felt about this decision, though. You know, we kind of brought him back to the first movie um, a bit. Because we got rid of the talking, and we removed, really, what it felt like almost all of the human elements of the monster. Mm. I think he's given one human moment, and that's at the end of the film, when he chooses not to throw the kid into the tar pit. You know, he gets ready to do it, and then he chooses not Mm. to. He still holds him hostage, though, so... I don't know if he ever intended to, honestly. Yeah, it it kind of feels that way. There's some interesting things with Frankenstein, which, which I'm sure... Uh, we can get into, um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Were you no, done? no, you're good. I want to know what you think about it. Yeah, I, I don't think Son of Frankenstein is a bad film by any stretch. As I said in the intro, it features fantastic set designs that certainly echo back to both of its predecessors in style, at least. And I do think the main character Wolf is intriguing, and the film really takes us in a bunch of different directions with his character. There's also, I think Igor is pretty interesting as a villain in this one. Um, And I do think the inspector is is good as well. So I think we've got more characters that we can kind of talk about here. So there there are some intriguing characters, but Wolf might be the most intriguing, uh, which is, it's kind of fun to call him Wolf, but (laughs) Dr. Frankenstein, Baron Frankenstein, he's so hopeful in the beginning of the film. And it doesn't seem at all like the narcissistic type of character we saw his father could be. Um, So it's quite surprising when he takes the turn that he does. And I think his performance and his character really makes some of the the standout moments of the film great. I I really liked the scientific montage um, where he does the experiments to the monster and finds out just how superhuman the monster is. There was something appealing to me in the way that it just kept escalating to show the abnormality of the monster. It was technically impressive, but just kind of fun. And then I think the standout scene for me is that moment of panic after Wolf's son, Peter reveals that the monster has been visiting him and imitates his walk. It's funny to us, like like we're like, oh, cute kid in a sense. But to his father in that moment, you really get that sense of panic. And the score picks up. 
And there's a rushed anticipation and anxiety that you feel as he rushes to his laboratory. It has to be one of the best scenes, if not the best scene for me in this film. Yeah, that that panic is very memorable. And it was actually one of my favorite parts of the film. Uh, I, I took it down in my notes and I was like, yeah, that the 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 reveal that he was just in the mm-hmm. house with the boy is so mm-hmm. good. Is what I, mm-hmm. <laughs> is what I typed. Um, but yeah, that the so his character Baron Wolf was the high point for me. I, I'm kind of with you on that. So it, it's really the high point isn't the performances by the two legends. Actually, mm. um, you know, I, I'm not as high on Igor. I do like that he's the villain. I like that that. I like that how evil he is is because it wasn't mm. quite expected to be that bad. Um, yeah. It's very, but it's very quickly apparent why he was hung, right? And I think it's so <laughs> funny that he's since, since they hung him, that he's technically dead, but since he didn't die, he's kind of like immune from his crimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are interesting scenes. Those little um, segues, right? That kind of mark how everybody's feeling about the situation. I don't know if if we need those scenes in the film at times like that, I think slows down the pacing of the film. And so I I don't think it pays off as well as it could. Like they needed to do something more there because they don't advance the main plot that we care about. So I could have done without some of those scenes, but I did think that was a funny moment when they, they had this conversation about Igor and his (laughs) death and, potentially not being able to do anything to him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But what I like about, uh, back to Baron Wolf, what I like about him is he has this weird sense of destiny that, uh, that the town knows about. Like they kind of mm-hmm. know the path that he's going to go about before he's even arrived. And, you know, he shows up, like you said, optimistic. He's like bright eyed, bushy tailed. And he just, wants to be everyone's friend, even though they all yeah. turn his, their yeah. backs on him. Mm-hmm. And then he quickly turns to his father's research. And once he sees what his father has been able to achieve and how close he was to it, and now that he has even more modern understanding of science, that he thinks he can probably perfect it a little bit better. You know, he just can't help himself. He's doing exactly what everyone knew he would do, except for himself. Yeah. And it really did, you know, deal with this curse of the Frankensteins, this unquenchable thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was once again disappointed to see a Frankenstein get off scot free like he did <laughs> in the first film. I agree. Yeah. Um, everyone's excited for him to donate the castle. I mean, they're excited for him to leave, obviously, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was kind of weird to just him have no penalty whatsoever. Um, it was just off. And so I just, and also I think that some of these moments with the comedy that he's involved in, especially at the end, Mm. it's just, uh, it really juxtaposed with the rest of the film for me, where they're all waving and saying all these things. It's just, uh, the whole ending is just weird, but you know, did this character's dynamic with the world around him, like, did it work with you at all? Uh, I, you know what? I I like the character a lot. As I said, he might be the most compelling, but honestly, I didn't find it super compelling. His turn from the optimist that we see at the beginning of the film to narcissist that he becomes like his father, because I didn't quite buy the motivation for it um, based off of what we saw 
of him from the beginning. And I think the film had the opportunity to do something even more interesting instead of kind of repeating some of the same plot points from the original. The, mm. the film likes to play with this idea of the man in the high castle where Von Frankenstein is that man in the high castle. There's a real chasm here between Frankenstein and the citizens of this village. You're right. At first, when he comes in, he thinks he's going to be friends with everybody. Um, he's ready to embrace everybody with open arms. And yet they all gather for his arrival just to shun him. <laughs> yes. Like that is the point just to show their disapproval of him. And then they all gather for his departure to cheer him, <laughs> right? And they're cheering him the way that I read that is they cheer him. Yes, I mean, he does give away his castle, right? But they are cheering the fact that he's gone. He's out of there, <laughs> right? So I think a more practical way to, in a more interesting and engaging way, would have been to use the paranoia between the, the town and Frankenstein to create this gulf and this conflict that ultimately drives Dr. Frankenstein, the new Dr. Frankenstein towards his monster, exactly towards these thinking. experiments. Yes. This, this would have actually created a much more interesting dynamic that I would have found believable. Something that took his optimism and transformed it into this gritty, pessimism cynicism well, almost towards like the, the world town's around him treatment of him turns him into the monster that they were worried about exactly there's so there's so much interesting stuff there right like it, it, at first it could have been their sort of cynicism towards him makes him into that person <laughs> that becomes the person that they were fearing he would be even though yes. he wasn't like you're like at first the citizens you're, you're kind of like, why are they doing this to him? This is a new guy, right? There's no reason that they should view him like this. And then as the film progresses, he starts not, he starts looking down on the citizens. Like at, at the end, he's looking down on them. And it's interesting that dynamic and how it plays out because I think the paranoia between the citizens and him and him and the, the, the town citizens that paranoia could have been played with so much better uh, and created that dynamic um, so that it ends up flipping by, by the film's end, which it in a sense does, but not in a way that I think is motivating for the character. It doesn't explain anybody's action. It's like a side piece, <laughs> um, really, which really is unfortunate is. because it could have been the thing that made this film stand out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with really all of those points. Um, I feel like there are some pretty big missed opportunities here where just a few changes to the script, like pretty minor changes to the script could have probably fixed this. Um, And while I think, you know, like I said, the main performances are fine. I I, I like most of them. I do think the film was relatively a weak one. Um, There are massive pacing issues for me for the first hour of this film. Um, There are moments where... and it's kind of funny that you like these moments and I felt like I typically would, but him pouring over his notes, his father's notes, looking at the data about the monster cells and seeing how they work differently and all that, and how it's virtually indestructible. I actually found those moments for whatever reason to be pretty boring. It's normally something mm-hmm. I would like, but I didn't really care for the execution of it. Um, a moment that I felt like could have been intense, uh, especially when we see this optimistic character, 
turning into, you know, the madman that his father was. Uh, we just didn't get the turn like I would have liked. And no. I, I just felt like it could have been tinged with, like, you know, that that horror of, like, he's kind of turning into what everyone wanted him to be. But instead, we get a meandering first half that just feels like it doesn't quite know what it wanted to do with itself. Does it want to be yeah. silly with Igor and the police? <laughs> <laughs> Does it want mm-hmm. to uh, pursue, you know, this man creating a monster? I, I don't know really what it's wanting to do tonally or story-wise. I just think it's a shame that I, that it took so long for me to get to the last 45 minutes of the film that I actually think are pretty great and exciting. And, you know, it kind of goes yeah. back to that moment, that reveal that Frankenstein has been in the house. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And everything with the inspector, I really enjoy so mm. I was kind of disappointed <laughs> that it took so long to get to the great part. Yeah, we haven't talked too much about the inspector yet, uh, but the inspector is quite an interesting character. And his presence marks the shift in Frankenstein's character as well, the Dr. Frankenstein's character as well, as we start to see the inspector mirroring the attitudes of the citizens, or at least reflecting the attitudes of the citizens. So in that sense, it plays out, but... I, I do wish we had more scenes, I think, with the citizens um, because it's always awesome. Like the, the scene whenever they gather to go yeah. basically protest at the castle um, is cool. Right? Anytime you get that many extras together uh, and you get them coordinated, it looks awesome. And it, it really brings dynamism to the film. I think the pacing issues that I have, you, you have pacing pacing issues with maybe some of the experiments, that montage part. I get that. I get that. I think that could have been handled better if you cut some of the other moments of the film that I don't think were were necessary in in building up um, this story. I think that moment, those moments, maybe a little too long, but they do show, again, that that superhuman quality of this monster um, that Von Frankenstein didn't realize was... A real a reality until these experiments. I, I do find the, the portrayal of Frankenstein interesting here because we do have a real bad guy in Igor. Igor is our uh, antagonist in this film. I would say he tries to kill Dr. Frankenstein the first time that Frankenstein goes into the laboratory. And then he controls Frankenstein um, by asking him to do various criminal activities which makes me have some sympathy for Frankenstein. He's not, I don't think, again, I don't think he's evil in and of himself, like many would believe. We see that moment at the end that you mentioned, Alex, with Peter, uh, von Frankenstein's son. We see him uh, when he's about to throw, you you think he's going to throw, it's a misdirection by the camera. I don't think he's ever going to throw Peter into the, the burning pit. He lifts him up in order to place him on the ladder. See, and I just, thought he hovered over the pit for just a moment. It felt like just he, a moment too it long. Felt, it felt like he lifts him up and he holds him over the pit, and it looks like he's about to do it. And, he, and then he pivots uh, over and puts see, him on the ladder. Here's another reason I don't read that moment, Alex, is because what I think the monster is doing in that moment is he's replacing his one friend with his other friend. Right. Mm. Igor has just died. Ah, Um, And so what's the monster doing? The monster is replacing Igor with his other friend. Um, Interesting. And and, and that's that's how I view that moment, 
because he has been gentle with Peter. He's he's visited Peter on multiple occasions, right? And has not done anything to harm him, had no motivation. He doesn't have, like the monster hadn't had any motivation beyond what Igor had told him to do throughout the film, right? Mm, So I still view the monster as, as sort of a helpless character that that is doesn't have much control of his own faculties i do think igor <laughs> igor makes a couple of comments that i'm like you're just creepy man <laughs> like yeah. in his relationship with frankenstein and the way that he like pets frankenstein and <laughs> the way that he says frankenstein does favors for him i'm like this is interesting <laughs> Um, uh, so that that whole relationship was was something but uh yeah i so i think there's some interesting stuff in in this movie um that i'm intrigued by i don't think it's as strong as some of our others that that we've seen unfortunately Mm, i agree but yeah on nvm plus today alex we do talk about some strong films and some weak films. <laughs> you talk about two of the newer films that you have seen, Moonfall and Jackass, Forever. Yes, Forever. And I talk about another movie that I have seen recently, and we also get a little bit into our annual Oscar debate, Alex. It's a good time. It's a good Spoiler time. alert, Alex does not like Dune anymore. <laughs> and somehow, we don't know how, I don't even know if this is in the Oscar conversation, we ended up talking about Last Jedi. So <laughs> it went south real quick, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Alex. Yeah. I don't know if that's a if that's an endorsement to listen to the episode or a reason to stay clear away, but <laughs> we do talk a little last Jedi, that is for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find that episode in all of our NVM Plus episodes over at patreon.com forward slash Pod. Let's go ahead and get into our awards, though, Alex. All Compelling right. character award. Who did you have? Uh, I got to give it to the inspector. You know, I, I think it's pretty cool that he has had this encounter with the monster before, right? Monster ripped mm-hmm. his arm off. Um, and, we, you know, that's kind of all we get about his backstory. And he has more to fear of... Dr. Frank, or sorry, the monster ripped his arm off, but, but he has more to fear of the uh, Dr. Frankenstein coming than anyone in that town, mm. probably. And so the fact that he does kind of open up to them a little bit, you know, he does he, the dinner start out as a check in, but it does feel like he's just kind of popping in a little bit to check on everything. Uh, but he doesn't feel quite as vitriolic as the townspeople. Um, but he does want him gone. But I just think the inspector is interesting. I like everything he has to do with his arm. Uh, they do kind of play it up a little bit with comedy. Um, sometimes they'll leave it, yeah. they'll leave the arm up in an awkward position and stuff like that. So oh, I, I, I really found his character pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, actually, I, I did too. It was it, he took a turn too. Like um, he, he was genuinely. I actually think he's always interested in the well-being of the community there. But he's genuinely also interested in the well-being of Dr. Von Frankenstein yes. at the beginning of the film. So I, I think he's he's trying to find the balance there um, between – he's that middleman between the community and Frankenstein. So, yeah, definitely a compelling character. My most compelling character award, Alex, uh, 
might go to little Peter. Um, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> little Peter. Uh, Peter is <laughs> Peter is. Uh, I mean, it's interesting to read him as a character. I mean, you you could consider this movie about him, right? It oh, is called Son definitely. of Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this this movie really might be about little Peter. Uh, even more than the doctor himself. You gotta quit saying that. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, whether it's just his cute accent, right? Yeah. Or uh, his his just pure innocence. I I think. Peter is a compelling character okay. for sure. <laughs> yeah. oh, sure, sure. What about your most memorable lion award? So mine does come from Baron Wolf von Frankenstein. And it's at the beginning of the film as he's talking to his wife, which we want to talk about a character that we haven't talked about because they're not very compelling. Von Frankenstein's wife is not very compelling. No. Um, she is, once again, like a mirror. She's not given a personality. She is a mirror for Von Frankenstein to give his thoughts to, right? He, that's the only function of, of her in this movie, which is unfortunate, right? The fact that literally she's just used for Von Frankenstein to give us his character. That's it. Right. Um, but he says to her... <laughs> Nonetheless, he has an interesting line that he says to her uh, at the beginning as they're riding to the castle and the train, a new life lies before us. And, you know, as I'm thinking about our lines here, Alex, I just realized that we, we've done 129 episodes of the show and this award should probably start being called the most meaningful line award and not Ooh. the most memorable line, because really the lines that we choose are the ones that kind of stand out. Sometimes they're funny, but uh, for my case, it's they're meaningful. And this one, a, a new life lies before us. I just think it's fun because yes, he's excited about the possibilities of life for him and his family, but a new life lies before us is also just a fantastic allusion to the monster waiting for him. Um, so I really like that that play on phrase, I should say, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I, that's an interesting... Yeah, maybe we should change the name of the award. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it really, the most memorable line award probably is like, it's alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that's what, that's what they say every time. And yes. it's like, I'll remember that forever. But <laughs> uh, maybe the most meaningful line for me was a new life lies before us. Yeah. How about you? Uh, mine's when little Peter asks Dr. Frankenstein. It, it, they're sitting there eating. There's these two uh, stone carvings. I kind of want to call them gargoyles, but they're not. Um, and he points to it. And he says, he's asking his dad, he's like, what's that? He says, that's a boar. And then he says, like Aunt Fanny, <laughs> which is so <laughs> awesome. You know, <laughs> it's such like a line that people I love this, but it's so funny. Oh yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the mom yes. corrects him and she's like, no, it's yeah, a wild, wild boar, dear. <laughs> 
no, it's great. It's great. Uh, yeah, most meaningful line award for sure. <laughs> That's a bore. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, little Peter, gotta love him. What about your can't believe the acting award out? Uh, Basil Rathbone, who played Baron Wolf von mm. Frankenstein. I think he did a really great yeah. job. He really sold me uh, on the two different versions. Now, the transition, that's not his fault, right? That's a writing fault. That's a storytelling fault. That's not really an acting fault. Because he, he sold me on yeah. the optimistic, excited, wide-eyed Frankenstein that shows up. And then he also sold me on the madman filled with paranoia who can't just keep his story straight. Um, and so I, he's mm-hmm. got to get props. I would love to see him again in one of these movies. Yeah, he, he really is fantastic. Um, I bought him throughout. He was great. So I can't believe the acting award, Alex. This is kind of hard for me okay. to admit a little bit because it's slightly embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> but it's also probably just a testament to this performance. And this is the fact that I did not pay attention at all to the credits of this movie. Uh, I didn't. I didn't pay attention. And so I watched this whole movie and appreciated aspects of this movie. And the entire time, I did not realize that Igor was played by Bella Lugosi. So I have to give the Can't Believe the Acting Award to Bella Lugosi for delivering a performance that was unrecognizable yes, to me, true. 100%. I did not know. I did not know at all. I was super surprised when I went to look at the cast list here preparing for this episode. So you didn't know until we were getting ready for the show? I couldn't believe it. Wow. I did not That's know until cool. we were getting ready for the show. Yeah. And so like, part of me, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. The other part of me is like, you know what? That's amazing. The fact that they pulled that off and that I had no idea. Like that just goes to show you what incredible makeup work was done. And also what an incredible performance it is and just how much it differs from the Lugosi. Yeah. I would never know. I wouldn't have picked up on it either if I hadn't seen it, but I was, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's pretty awesome. You know, Karloff and Lugosi in the same movie. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, how about your, oh, that's a good shot of uh, Yeah, so this is another one. We've said it the last couple episodes, but it really does feel like we're kind of getting away from clever, interesting cinematography in a lot of ways. But mm. this one's got a few elements in it that I liked. And yeah, it does. Is, uh, you know, there's the moment where he holds the kid. Uh, he's putting him up on the ladder. I really like that. But mm-hmm. it's a moment afterwards where he's throwing all these instruments into the pit and there's just all this smoke and fire and it's just all going off. It's a really cool illustration of effects and just the entire set design. Like, this is the first time in a while we've gotten a pretty cool original set. Um, yeah. And I oh, really, yeah. I really enjoyed that. So this, this shot, it's just kind of really cool illustration of, you know, Frankenstein's frustrations and, just a, a special effects showcase for the movie. Yeah. Honestly, I think there are some good shots in this one. Um, and it's really, the maybe the shots aren't most creative, but the sets make them awesome. And just some of the, the ways that they play with shadows, again, it, it just makes you think back to the other Frankenstein films. So I appreciated that. Um, one 
effect of shadows that I really appreciated my, Oh, that's a good shot award was the, the silhouette shot of Frankenstein murdering. Um, I can't remember the specific character. Oh, he bursts his heart. Yeah, um, well, he does that. To and all we of just them. see the, sh- but it's, the, it's the guy that's sitting he does, in the chair, yeah. right? He goes up behind him. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, there's some little things like that, little touches like that where we see, you know, maybe future films use that sort of, of shadow effect in the future. I like it. Um, it's not obviously a, a masterpiece, but I still think it's it's clever and it's fun. And it's a unique way to show a death without getting too gruesome in these films. So I, I did like that yeah, shot. Yeah, I, I did too. I did too. Uh, All right, Alex. <laughs> Unique awards. Yeah. What'd you have for your unique award this week? Yeah. So mine goes, my, my award is the, uh, you should have had a home inspection award. And this goes to, um, Dr. Frankenstein. He moved into uh-huh. this home without anyone taking a look and seeing a million different pathways. People are peeking into the home, walking around and he just doesn't know. I mean, you got to get that stuff looked at. You got to get that fixed. Put some drywall up or something. Come on, man. Yeah, look, you got to put you got to put some drywall up in those secret cupboards. That's right. You know, you don't want people spying on your exactly. Side, man. You got to get an inspection, dude. Come <laughs> on, that's the first, that's that's homeowning one hundred one. My unique award is the best no look dart thrower award, and that goes to Basil Rathbone <laughs> as Baron von Frankenstein. <laughs> that's such a unique scene, Alex, yeah. where it's like. I've never seen that done where he's, he's, he's getting his tension out on throwing darts at a dartboard and they're having an entire conversation as he repeatedly does this over and over again. But what I did notice was this guy does have skills (laughs) on the dartboard. There's one point where he's looking completely at the inspector, not looking at all at the dartboard and throws four in a row, one of them bullseye in the dartboard. Um, Really, impressive actually (laughs) and i wonder if they were like this guy's good at darts let's find a way to incorporate this somehow because he was impressive dude you say that it just kind of blew my mind because like i I didn't even think about that right it's like it's one shot and he's just Uh killing it on that you're right like i didn't even think about that he's so good at it. he's not even looking (laughs) he's not even looking there's there's one where it's so impressive he's not looking and he's getting a bullseye He's not looking at the dartboard. He's looking at the inspector. <laughs> and it's actually a kind of an interesting sort of, you know, you've got that kind of like background like yeah, the fi- tick, yeah. you know, that's happening. And that's what's happening here. It's like you almost miss it, but it's just building that tension um, as he repeatedly does the same thing over and over and over again, not even looking. It's really interesting. Um, and really just kind of sometimes just tossing them out there like hard at the dartboard. Uh, but then there's the, <laughs> just to continue on with the scene, Alex, then there's a moment where he's like, Hey, do you want to throw with me? And then it's, it's a really <laughs> awkward transition right there because it feels like <laughs> they're just like having a game of darts. Right. He's like about to arrest them. And then the next scene, they're having a game of darts <laughs> and then are interrupted by Peter's gone. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, I guess we should go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so it was. It was. It, funny. Was, it was hectic and very sporadic. It was so strange. Yeah, yeah. The, the transition there didn't work well. I, I kind of liked what they were doing, and uh, there was 
maybe a, a failed concept there. Uh, a great idea, but a failed concept. The transition didn't quite work out of that moment, but yeah, it was it was cool. Um, all right, final thoughts. Yeah. So, what you got? This is a this is one of the weaker ones. Um, mostly attributed to the first hour. Um, and honestly, mm. yeah, we got some good. We do have some good characters. I, I do think uh, Doctor Frankenstein's great, and uh, Lugosi as Igor is pretty good too. Um, especially when he's in his villain phase. Um, but that being said, that first hour, it, it it's a little rough. It's a little sporadic. It doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to do. Honestly, it feels like it's padding for time for some reason. Um, I'm not sure why, unless they just wanted this to be the longest Universal Monster movie so far. <laughs> like, because there's a lot of fat on here. Um, and it's not the good fat. It's the chewy fat. I wonder fat. if it's just... I, I would imagine, as I said, Alex, it's like three out, three years have passed, really, since Dracula's mm. daughter. Um, and so I think, I I wonder if it's just a sign of the times. I I, I would imagine we're going to start getting a little bit longer of film moving forward. It would be my guess. Yeah. And you might have a pretty good point there. Um, but there, there's some issues with this with particularly just to the pacing for me. So for me, um, there's some high marks here. The 40 last 45 is great. The reveal of Frankenstein in the home is awesome. Um, but this is a, this will be a low gamma tier for me. It, it's definitely mm. not a Gabra, um, but it is a pretty low gamma for me. How about you? Um, yeah, I think for me, I have a couple issues with the way that the film plays out, but I also think that there are some interesting concepts and I think there are some standout scenes that make the film engaging to me and interesting to me. So it's not a low tier Gamera film. I would say it's it's a pretty solid Gamera film right there in the middle of the Gamera tier for me. So I probably rate it slightly higher than you do. Um, it, it has some unfulfilled potential. It's not as good as Dracula's daughter for sure. So we can definitely favor the daughter over the son in this case, (laughs) but I I do think there are some redeeming qualities here. So that's why I would put it right in the middle of my camera tier. Okay. All right. Ooh. All right, Alex next week. What do do we have next week? I don't, so I'm taking a, let me go grab the set. I'm taking a look at the list, but let me me double check the set. And just a reminder for, our listeners, we are going through these movies based on the Universal Classic Monsters Complete 30 Film Collection set. Um, so there are movies that we are skipping, and I am being reminded of that when I looked at this Wikipedia list of Universal Monster movies. <laughs> There's so many yeah. um, that we're skipping over. I, I really want to check So out. the ones that we're skipping over primarily are more horror focused versus like monster focused. Right. right? So we're missing like um, Island of Lost Souls, The Black Cat, mm, The Raven, mm-hmm. um, Tower yeah. of London. No, I'm not going to go on anymore. But so I think that that means, ooh, The Invisible Man Returns is our next movie. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Invisible Man Returns. Cool. Do you have any rhymes for next week, Alex? Um, Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so our next movie is The Invisible Man Returns. Is this another one that Universal just churned? Or is it something that Eric and I will (laughs) like and this movie will take a flight? (laughs) Oh, that was good. I wasn't sure where you are going with that. That that was ending at like. And I was like, okay. Uh, when we watch (laughs) The Return, what will we learn? Will it make us stern or be a slow burn? Mm. I don't know what that has anything to do with The Invisible Man, but we'll see. see. (laughs) Me neither, me neither. I'm hoping it doesn't lean into the comedy aspect and maybe more of the... Interesting. Yeah, we'll we'll see. see. We'll see. Uh, the original definitely had both of those aspects. So we'll, we'll see what the Invisible Man, the Invisible Man Returns offers us next week. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. We want to hear from you. You can email us at mvmpod at gmail.com or go to mvmpod.com to leave us your feedback on Son of Frankenstein. Send us your thoughts and we will read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. You can become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't... Rip that little kid's arm off. And try Try to to stay stay alive. alive. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. little Peter